to be. We must be converted, and we must be converted body, mind, soul, spirit. We've got to be completely, everybody say completely, converted. We've got to be completely converted. And so that's really what I am going to be teaching, and this is probably going to take us two or three weeks to get through. Um, and so uh, if, it, if I don't get into all of that tonight, you just bear with me because what we're doing is we're trying to set a foundation for where we're going. All right? Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. The Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So I want to go through those two verses here for a little bit. And uh, and then we'll see where, where we go to tonight in this. Um, the Apostle Paul <clears throat> makes a statement here that, that kicks off verse 16 that is so very powerful and something that we better make sure that we have gotten a hold of in our own hearts. And that is that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We don't need to be ashamed of what we believe. We don't need to hold our head. Uh, because somebody, because somebody says, well, I don't believe it like you do. We don't need to hold our head as if we have some reason to feel bad about that. We need to understand just how powerful this gospel is and just, and just how important and vital (coughs) it is to all of us. And if we get a hold of that, there would be nothing that would ever cause us to be ashamed of it. And if we're not ashamed of this gospel, then we will share this gospel. And if we don't share the gospel, then we are not fulfilling the commission that the Lord placed upon the church. I'll be preaching about that in a few weeks in our, in our Connect series that we're doing on Sundays. Um, we need to make sure that we are uh, doing our part to, to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't ever want to be ashamed of this gospel. I don't ever want to hold my head about, down about this. The gospel is, Paul told us in Corinthians, the gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Death, burial, resurrection. Let me just tell you tonight, it ought to make you feel good right now to be apostolic. It ought to make you feel good to be apostolic. Why? Why do you say that? Here is why I say that. Because when we say we preach the gospel, we really mean that we preach the gospel. We are not just preaching a part of the gospel. We are not just preaching a portion that says, believe on him. We are not just preaching a portion that says, repent. We are not just preaching a portion that says, repent and then be baptized. But we are preaching the whole thing. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and that, that, is, that is something to take note of. Because not everything that calls itself a church is truly preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people who are preaching the death of Jesus Christ. There are some people that preach the death, the burial of Jesus Christ. There are some people that preach the death the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the apostolic church, those that are following in the apostles' doctrine, are those who are preaching the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we are not ashamed of that. Why are we not ashamed of that? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the gospel. Listen to this. It is the gospel that gives us power to be saved. It is the gospel that gives us power to be saved. 
to everyone that believeth. Would you say the word believeth with me tonight? Believeth. Believeth is a very important word right here in this scripture. That those three letters on the end of that word, E-T-H, are so incredibly important. Because that indicates, if you study this, uh, and, and you will look at this in its literal trans, translation, that those who are believing are those who are completely trusting, being persuaded, and having confidence in. So when the, when the Apostle Paul writes to this church at Rome and and he says, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. He is not just talking in past tense. He is not just talking about those who, who somebody told them and they said, Jesus is the Savior of the world. And they looked at him and said, I believe that. That's not all that that word encompasses and means. It is a part of what that word encompasses and means. But to believe if continually... This is past tense, it is present tense, and it is future tense. All right? It is to the Jew first, and also, the Bible said, to the Greek. So it went, of course, to the Jews first. <laughs> and this was on the day of Pentecost, when the apostle Peter stood up and preached the first message. And then it went to Samaria, and then it went to the Gentiles. Uh, who were the half-breeds, they were part Jew, part Gentile, and then it went to the Gentiles, and which is the rest of the world. And I am so glad that I have had the opportunity to hear this gospel of Jesus Christ, such a powerful gospel. For there, Now, let's look at verse 17, because this is where I'm wanting to key in. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith, to faith. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The righteousness of God. Let me, let's deal with that for just a moment. What is the righteousness of God? Now this is a question we better answer. And, and as Pentecostals, we better be careful that we don't just get so consumed with our candy sticks that we don't you know what I think sometimes part of, and, and, and this can happen to everybody in any group of people. They have their little things that, that they are so connected to um, that they just assume everybody else understands it. Some of us around here grew up hearing the apostles' doctrine preached. You heard this gospel that I just talked about preached from the time you were a child, many of you. If not a child, you've heard it preached for years and years and years. And so you take a lot of these things for granted. And, and, and if you're like me and you grew up in this, to you, this, all of this that I'm preaching right now, this is old hat. Right? It is old hat. And, and I got up here and said this stuff about the gospel, and you said, that's right, that's the way it is. And then there's some people who, who could come along and hear that, and not understand a word of what I just said. Not understand a word of what I just said. And I looked around here tonight to see who all was here. To see how far in depth I felt like I needed to go on that. If, this was, if it was a Sunday, I would have had more to say about it. But most of you here, the vast majority of you here, kind of get that, okay? But we better be careful that these don't just become things that we hear and we just say, oh, yeah, that's right. I don't remember why it's right. I just know it's right. So I. We'd better make sure that we are rooted and firmly established in this thing called the doctrine. Because if we are not rooted in the doctrine of Jesus Christ, if we are not rooted in this, some wind's going to come along at some time and it's going to blow us away. Let me tell you about a wind that in the last few years has begun to blow a little bit. And it has affected different places. I haven't noticed it. Uh, excuse me, a little OCD right there. I, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't noticed it blowing so much in our particular area or region. But I know 
I know people, I know pastors and friends who have, who have had it blow very strongly where they are at. And if it's blowing there, it won't be but a short time. It'll be blowing here. <clears throat> so let me tell you one, one win that's it's just one of many. One win that's come along in the last several years. It is the win, um, I, to me, it, it may go by different names, but this is typically the name I hear associated with it, the Hebrew Roots Movement. The Hebrew Roots Movement. Now, there's probably a couple of you in here that have heard that, but most of you in here, if you've never heard that before, you just raise your hand. Okay, most of us in here have not heard that. There are some. What is that? That is a group of people that is trying to take things back. Um, they are trying to, to, to take um, New Testament theology and mix it with Old Testament law theology and blend the two together. And, and so they are saying that um, when, when I baptize somebody, if I say I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ, they say that is not correct, that I must say in the name of Yeshua. Because if I didn't, because Yeshua is, is the way the Hebrews said it. And if I don't say it the way they said it, then I didn't say it right. If, if I'm in Mexico and I baptize somebody in el nombre de Jesus Cristo, that is not correct because not Yeshua. And, and uh, the problem is that well, there's a lot of problems with all that doctrine. But you talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about and you get in the New Testament. Um, the disciples, when you translate uh, what Paul wrote and others wrote, they didn't say Yeshua. Just so you know that, okay? Um, you, you'd have to, you have to understand some of the, the language stuff going on there. But they're getting hung up on it's not in the Hebrew. And if you don't say it in the Hebrew, it's not correct. Well, that's not true. Um, the name in English may be Jesus. In, in Spanish, it may be Jesus. In Hebrew, it may be Yeshua. What is important is that it is the name that was given to us that is called out over the one being baptized. Okay? And, and that's just one part of it. Another part of it is they say you must, you must follow the feast in the, in, the, in the festivals of the Old Testament. If you don't do that, then you're not right. And, and uh, part of it is they say you can't, worshiping on Sunday is not correct. The Sabbath, the true Sabbath is Saturday. And if you don't worship on Saturday, then you're doing it wrong. And, uh, and, and so now that I'm describing some of this, some of you might have heard some of it. Uh, it's coming, maybe refreshing your memory a little bit. Um, and I'm not just talking Seventh-day Adventist. I'm talking about apostolic people who are beginning to promote this stuff. And, and, and they're trying to pull people out of churches Good apostolic churches like the one you're in tonight, they're trying to pull them out of churches and say, if you don't do it this way, you're not doing it correctly. Well, I'm going to tell you, they're doing what uh, the Apostle Paul rebuked the church at Galatia for doing. They are trying to mix um, the law with Christianity, and, and you can't do that because Jesus Christ came and fulfilled the law. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. Furthermore, Jesus Christ, Jesus is uh, the Sabbath. He is our Sabbath. It don't matter if you want to go to church on Sunday or Monday. We do Sunday because it's just our culture. But if, but if this church had services on Saturday, God will move then. If we had church on Monday, God will move then. It doesn't matter if it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Wednesday. don't matter. What matters is that we gather together in the name of Jesus. And so that wind has come along and it's begun to blow people. And, and what happens is people think they're getting into deeper revelation. And they're not getting into deeper revelation. What has happened is they were never rooted in the revelation that they should have been rooted in to begin with. And they didn't get grounded in this doctrine. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. They didn't get grounded in this doctrine that I'm talking about. And because they're not grounded in the doctrine, this wind comes along that makes no sense. This wind comes along that the Bible doesn't uh, back up, that the Bible does not prop up, and they get blown away by it. And they think that they're continuing, uh, that, that, that they're going into a deeper revelation. It's not the truth. It's not the truth. So you better be careful that you're not taking things for granted and assuming things and, and, and just you clap your hands because you heard me say something that, that uh, you've heard people say all their life and 
all your life. And when people say that, that's what we do is clap our hands. You better make sure you got a hold of this. You've got a hold of this. So going back now to verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith. So what is the righteousness of God? Let's deal with that. What is this righteousness of God? The righteousness of God is that which is right according to God. There's a, there's a brilliant uh, definition for you tonight. It is that which is right according to God. Now. The righteousness of God. How is it revealed? Now, this is to me. This is very powerful. It may sound very simple to you, but it is, and it is, but it's very powerful. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, from faith to faith. In other words, the faith that God gives me. The Bible said that every man is given the measure of faith. So the faith that I was born with is enough faith for me to turn to God and say, I am missing something in my life. I need God to come in my life and change me. I've got enough faith to do that. Got newsflash for you. Everybody in all this world has enough faith to do that. That's why you don't count anybody out. That's why you don't say, well, they're too rich and, and, and they've got too much and they don't have enough need in their life, so they, don't, they won't need God. No, you don't say that because they've got enough faith. They've got enough faith to be turned toward Jesus. You don't say, well, they're so far gone that, that they're, they're so strung out and, and, and so, uh, so down and out. There's no way that they'll, that they'll ever uh, make it back up from where they are. And, and No, 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 you don't say that. They've got enough faith. In order to see their lives change. And we've seen that happen on both ends of the spectrum. Have we not? And everywhere in between. So uh, we come to God with our initial faith. And that initial faith uh, reveals to us a portion. Now watch this. It reveals to us a portion of the righteousness of God. It reveals to us a portion of the righteousness of God. That portion that I get is not going to be the whole thing. That portion that I get is not going to be, as we say, the whole enchilada. (laughs) Okay? But here's why. God's not out to kill me by giving me more than I can handle at one time. Now, as I'm saying this, I want you to keep in the back of your mind... He's talking about conversion. Okay? He's talking about conversion. Because God is not interested in producing a momentary... uh, um, How how many of y'all, and some of you may still do it, and and, and that's I got a good friend who who loves, who's getting older, and he loves to play video. How many of y'all ever played video games? Okay, I got a few of you. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Sister Trish, I didn't, but, but good job. Those of, you, those of you that have played a video game, Asher, Asher got a, uh, he got an Xbox for Christmas. And so, <laughs> so he's been playing that. And it's kind of been funny because I remember being a kid and I got Nintendo when Nintendo came out. And I remember learning that. I played Mario, you know. And I was good. I was good. And, and uh, my dad, I, I begged my dad. I said, Dad, come play this with me. So dad got down to play with me. And he got that controller. And he was doing this number. <laughs> you know, you, you run, you, you're trying to jump. <laughs> and I was saying, Dad, that doesn't do anything. Just hit the button. <laughs> and I'd get so aggravated. And I thought it was hilarious, you know. Well, then... Asher gets this, and, and I'm supposed to try to help him because now it's much more confusing than it used to be. And so I'm trying to help him figure it out. There's too many buttons on these things now, these controllers. And so here we go, and I'm trying to help him. And, and, uh, and before long, you know, he's figured out how to kind of operate it, and, and he'll, he'll get me to play with him, and we'll get in there, and he'll just start flying through the game. And, and and he's laughing at me because I don't know what I'm doing. Here he is about to be seven. 
I'm about to be 35. <laughs> and he's, he's just, he's just blowing, blowing me out of the water, you know. And, 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 but, but there's something called a point where you can save it. Okay, where, where you get the game so far that you can, you can save it. And, uh, and that way you can go back to that point, okay? Now let me get back to where I was now. <laughs> Y'all are wanting to see if I'm going to make it back, aren't you? Well, you'll never know if I do or not. <laughs> I'm that good. <laughs> I will play it off. <laughs> oh, Lord. Here's where I was. I think. Sometimes as I talk, it comes back to me. Just like Drew's name. That's right. That's right. Used to be his name. So here we are living for God. And we get the faith to have a portion of God's righteousness revealed to us. And the Lord says, I'm not going to kill you by putting all of it on you at one time. See, I told you I knew where I was. I'm not going to kill you by putting all of it on you at one time. And so God brings us along in stages. He is bringing us along in stages. Well, I don't know how I feel about that. Okay. The scripture said it's revealed from faith to faith. God is giving us portions of, of his righteousness, that which is right according to God. He is showing it to us in stages. And God is more interested. I told you to come back as I talk. God is more interested in us having a successful conversion experience than he is about sitting down and pushing all of it on us at one time and us getting overwhelmed and walking out the door and saying, I can't do that. We're doing real good. And we as the church have better be careful. And I'm going to get farther into this. And I'm going to show you some things. Part of what I'll be teaching farther into this is some stuff that Brother Galen Thompson, who is the North American Missions Director in Minnesota, uh, shared at our launch meeting as we began to talk with church planners. Because we are trying to get church planners to understand. There is such a pressure on a church planner to try to get people converted immediately. You're not successful if you didn't have X number of people get the Holy Ghost. And, and Sunday church is over. And, and you got to get on Twitter and said, uh, 17 uh, H2O, you know, 37 uh, HG, Holy Ghost, and sin. Boy, now I can feel like I'm doing something. And yet come back a year later and have nothing to show for it. Because we're trying to push people through something that, that comes in stages. And we better be careful that we are not guilty of causing preterm labor and, and babies that are born premature. All of our Elizabeth, you're a OBGYN nurse. I, I guess I can say that. You work in that department and, and, and she helps deliver babies. And the baby that is born premature, the, the more premature the baby is, the, the more critical uh, that baby's condition is going to be. And, and we better be careful. We're not trying to rush somebody through something that God is trying to bring them through. Because the righteousness of God is not revealed in a moment. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That is why, that is why we can all be here tonight and be at so many different levels in, of understanding of, in our walk with God and, and different amounts of time having served the Lord. And we're all here tonight at all these different places in our walk with God. And yet everybody's going to walk out of here tonight and say, you know what? I grew tonight in the Lord. How is that? 
Because while they were getting this, you were getting that. And, and, and it's, it's being given in stages. And, and so sometimes you have to get to the save point and you have to say, okay, now I've got to take a moment here and let this process. Let this process. And I would rather, as a pastor, in my flesh, I'd rather we had 100 people get the Holy Ghost and get baptized next Sunday. That's what I'd rather have in my flesh. But as a pastor, I'd rather it take a year to convince two people to get baptized who will commit to going from faith to faith than for the hundred to get processed through and shoved out the door and never come back. Now, can it happen where somebody can get it all at once? Yes, but I'm going to tell you that is the exception. It is not the rule. It is the exception, and it is not the rule. And even then, they, they still don't bypass the process of faith to faith. Maybe they were born again quickly, but they haven't been converted yet. <sighs> because just because you were born again does not mean that you were converted. Some of us may have been doing this for a long time, and we're still not completely converted. Because conversion is not just what happens in your spirit. Conversion is also what happens in your mind. So, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So, this is why, this is why, as, as we come to the Lord, um, He's going to give me the faith to, to experience part of that which is right according to God. And he knows how far to bring me and what I can take at that particular moment in my development with God. And so he will bring me along, as far along as he wants to bring me. And then he will say, okay, now we're going to allow this to begin to... to, to we, we planted this seed in you. Now we're going to allow this to begin to be cultivated in you and, and, and begin to grow in you. Because we don't just want to move on from here if you're not rooted and established in this particular thing. Watch this. Watch this. This is why there are some people who they believe, maybe they grew up not believing in the Holy Ghost talking in tongues. They grew up and they didn't believe that stuff. Uh, and then they came to church and they experienced it. And, and God gave them faith. For that, but but they don't hang around long enough to get faith for uh, issues of separation, and so they'll go to their grave. The Holy Ghost is real. That other stuff's not necessary. That's all unneeded. The problem is they never had the opportunity to stick around long enough to allow that to grow. So these are seeds that have to get in us. That be, It goes back to that laws of the harvest we talked about. These are seeds that get in us that have to be planted, that have to begin to grow and produce a harvest. And it is only going to happen from faith to faith. Oh, church, let us be so careful that we are allowing faith to faith to happen in all of our lives. In all of our lives. Be rooted and grounded in the things that God is bringing you along in. Get rooted, get grounded in these things. I don't want to push you to the point, because I'm trying to manufacture you, I don't want to push you to the point that I push you past your, your level of understanding. Because if you don't have the faith for the righteousness of God, for that level of the righteousness of God, you're never going to get it. And I can't, I can't make you have that faith. I can't will you to have that faith. 
You ready for this? I can't pray that faith into you. There's one source for that faith. God gives it. God gives it. It's not mine to decide when it comes. Now, before anybody starts going, well, he's, he's saying we don't ever need to talk about this stuff and deal with this stuff. You know better than that. Y'all know me better than that. Okay? You don't have a pastor who's afraid to talk about what it means to live for God. I don't have a problem with it. Um, so, so, so don't go there. What I am saying is, let's make sure that we're not forcing the issue, but let's make sure that we're allowing conversion to take place in such a way that souls are born completely. Can you say amen? The object of this gospel of Christ that Paul's talking about here. The object of this gospel is salvation. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Right? So the object of the gospel is to get us to the point of salvation. So that begs this question. What is salvation? What is salvation? Is it faith? Is it the new birth experience? Is it holy living? When is someone saved? You better be careful how you answer that. Because if we make it only about the new birth experience then we discount a life of holiness. And the Bible said, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So there's a lot of different things that are going on under the umbrella of this word salvation. Salvation is used in this passage of Scripture in its largest meaning, including the whole process of mercy from the time of initial belief onwards. That includes deliverance from sin, deliverance from damnation and death. It includes the present results of God's grace in our lives. It includes to the resurrection and glory and being with Him. Salvation is not a present tense word only, but it is a past tense, a present tense, and a future tense word in the New Testament. Likewise, in New Testament descriptions of, of uh, the people of God, of their dependence on God, it is incredibly difficult to separate faith... Catch this. It is incredibly difficult to separate faith from faithfulness. Which is the continuance of faith in our lives. Now Paul wrote and he said it's revealed from faith to faith. We dealt with that a little bit. As it is written, the just shall, everybody say live. Live. By faith. The just shall live by faith. So I am justified. I, what does justified mean? It's just, what does it mean to, to, to justify? What's well, just as if it never happened, somebody said. It's just as if it never happened. I am justified. That means I stand before God. Um, Able to stand before God. There is nothing to keep me from standing before God. There is no sin to hold me back and say I'm not worthy to be in His presence. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So I stand before God justified. So how is it that I am, if I am justified, and if I am standing before God in a manner that, that, 
that means that I am, uh, that, that he has made me worthy to stand before him. And I know we don't like to talk that way, but this is the Bible. So let's go, let's, let's use the Bible way of looking at it. He has made me worthy. I am not worthy on my own. My righteousness is as filthy rags. It's his righteousness that is being imputed into my life as I go from faith to faith. And I should have said this a while ago. If I get to a level of faith that I am not willing to grab a hold of the faith that he has extended me and take the next step, then I am aborting the process of conversion in my life and of his righteousness continuing to grow in me to the point that he wants it to. So, But if I am following along and I'm going through the stages as he, as he leads me through them, and, and, and then I am justified. And I am living by faith. And the just, the scripture said, and this is uh, Paul reaching back, and I believe he's quoting Habakkuk here. Uh, he says, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And, and, and so, what, what does that mean? That means that in order for me to continually be seen as just in the eyes of God, I must live by faith. I must continue in the walk of faith. Abraham continued in his walk with God and he brought him out of Ur of the Chaldees. You've heard me talk about Abraham. I could preach everything I need to preach from the life of Abraham. Everything. He brings, I'm, I'm glad we got more than that, but we could. He brings him out of Ur of the Chaldees and he said, I'm going to show you whose city, uh, whose builder and maker is God. And, and, and so here he goes. And it is a walk of faith. And Abraham is going from faith to faith. And, and every time he steps, and, and every time he, he stops and, and digs a well, and, and, and they, they put their tents up, and, and they stay there for a little while, and then eventually God says, okay, it's time to move on. And then he takes another step. He's going from faith to faith. And if you go study those wells Abraham dug, and that'd be a real good study, but if you go study those wells Abraham dug, that is, a, that is a type of going from faith to faith. These wells meant different things. You study what they mean. God gave him the faith to come to this place, and Abraham said, God gave me the faith to be here, and I'm going to dig a well that signifies that faith. And then at some point, God says, okay, this is good. But you can't stay here. We don't just... Are we okay tonight? Okay. We don't just camp out on Acts 2.38 and say, got that, done. He said, I brought you here, but now I want to bring you somewhere else. And so then we go to worship. And he says, I'm going to give you the faith to understand what it means to worship me. In spirit and in truth. And then we go to godliness. And he says, I'm going to give you the faith to live a life of godliness and separation unto me. And, and we keep going. And our life is a constant journey as Abraham's was. Going from faith to faith. Now, there's a question that might want to pop up in somebody's mind right now. Okay, pastor, but what if I'm on this level of faith and I haven't got to all the levels of faith yet, but I'm, I'm over here and I die. What happens to me? So long as you are serving God in the faith, <laughs> that what did the scripture say? These are they that died in the faith. So you, you just keep serving God. You keep living for God. You keep walking with him. And, and, if, and, if, and if you die in the middle of learning what worship is about, you leave that to God, okay? Your responsibility is to go from faith to faith as he leads you. And so Abraham couldn't stay there. And God would say, okay, Abraham, it's time to move. And so long as Abraham continued to walk by faith, he was justified. And so long as you and I continue to walk by faith, and we go from faith to faith. We are continually being justified. But if we stop. If we stop. 
and and the Lord begins to give us a faith for something. Watch this. It is possible for your spirit to to hunger for something, but your flesh to not. And and we're, we're a little deep in here tonight, y'all. It's, it's possible for your spirit to hunger for something. Why? Because your spirit's being pulled by the spirit of God. And your spirit says, go here. And your flesh says, ooh, I don't know about that. Spirit says, this is what I'm saying. And flesh says, I see that, but I don't know if I want to embrace that. The spirit, uh, the, the flesh, the Bible said, is enmity with God. It is in, it is, it, it is in complete um, opposition to the things of God. And, and, and so there's a struggle taking place here. Because if we were entirely spiritual beings, it'd be, it'd be so much easier. Now, I know the devil fell. He allowed pride to come up in the devil fell, and I get that. But two-thirds of the angels didn't. If we were entirely spiritual, it'd be so much easier to follow that. But we've got this thing called the flesh pulling. And so when God says do this, sometimes, sometimes the flesh says, I can, I, can, I can handle that. And then there's other times the flesh says, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and so the struggle begins. And it, it is our responsibility to make sure that we are allowing the spirit to override the flesh. Now, let's go back to, the, let's go back to Genesis here. Abraham had two grandsons by the name of uh, Jacob and Esau. Jacob is a type of that which is after the spirit. Esau is a type of that which is after the flesh. Jacob desired the, the blessing and the birthright. Esau desired, feed me now. Remember? Jacob said, Esau said, give me some of your porridge to eat. And Jacob said, you, you sell me your birthright. He said, okay, I'll do it. Esau is a type of the flesh. Jacob is a type of the spirit. And this is why, this, and, and God allows things to happen in a certain way. I'm just going to tell I feel the Holy Ghost right now in what I'm about to say. Please hear this. This is why when, when Esau was being born, the Bible said, here, here are two, two twins being born. And Esau, his arm is extended out. Was his arm, or his, yeah, his arm is extended out. And they tied the, the string on it to signify this is, this is the firstborn. And yet before he is fully born, what happens? Jacob, in the womb, reaches out, grabs his heel, and pulls him back in the womb. And then Jacob is completely born before Esau. But Esau is considered the firstborn because he was partially already out of the womb. Okay? What are you saying? I'm saying this. We, have, we are firstborn after our flesh. But we have to allow the spirit to grab a hold of the heel of our flesh and say, I know that you want to take supremacy. I know that you want to call the shots. I know that, that this old flesh of mine wants to determine how far in the righteousness of God I'm going to go. But flesh, you're not going to do it. And spirit reaches out and grabs a hold and says, come back here. I'm going ahead. Do y'all feel that right now? What is happening? It is, it, it is the Lord trying to show us. Allow the spirit. 
allow the spirit to reach out and take control over the flesh. And this is why Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. What are you doing, Paul? Every day I know if I'm going to go to the next level of faith, I've got to make sure that the spirit pulls this flesh and makes it submit. And there is nothing in us that, that naturally wants to submit to the things of the Spirit. You know why? Because the things of the Spirit are things eternal. The things of the flesh are things temporal. And we feel the benefit of what is temporary while on this earth. It takes, it takes a, a willingness to look beyond what is right now to see the benefit of what is eternal. And, and this is why we pray. Lord, give us eyes to see. Help me see things God, that I wouldn't see otherwise. Elisha, and, I'm, and I'm coming to a close. Elisha and his servant. Elisha and his servant in Samaria. And the Syrians surrounding the city. And the servant looks out and he sees all these Syrians surrounding them. And he says, alas, my master, how shall we do? And Elisha says, relax. Don't stress this. They that are with us are more than they that be with them. What are you talking about? All I see is an army surrounding us. And Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes. What a silly prayer. I'm being tongue-in-cheek. What a silly prayer. He already saw. That's why he's upset. Because of what he saw. What does he mean, open his eyes? He means open his eyes to what is beyond the temporary. Let him see now the things of the Spirit. And he prayed, and God opened his eyes, and he saw not one army, he saw two. And he said, oh my goodness, you're right. Those that are with us are more than those that are be with them. And now, this is what I've always found interesting. Elisha prayed for his servant to see, but Elisha, Elisha didn't pray for himself to see. Now, there's two ways you can look at that. You can either say, Elisha already saw it. And, and, and that's probably a legitimate way to look at it, but I'm going to tell you how I believe it. Or Elisha had the faith to believe what he could not see. He didn't need to see it. He had the faith to believe it. And the spirit was already pulling him in a direction that said, while his flesh would have been saying, I need to be concerned, need to be upset, need to be worried. The spirit was saying, don't worry, don't be upset, don't be fearful, I got this. And he chose to follow the spirit. He didn't need to see what he already had confidence in. And, and, and so the servant sees and... All, all the stuff that happens there. We, the, the point I'm trying to make there is sometimes we've got to make sure we're looking through eyes of the Spirit and not just eyes of the flesh. Because when we look through eyes of the flesh, we, we allow certain um, feelings to overcome us. That is when we get overcome by fear. That is when we get overcome by hopelessness. That is when we get overcome by uh, the feeling and the sense that we'll never be able to do enough or, or to be enough for God. That's what flesh is telling you. But I'm preaching tonight to say keep walking in faith. Keep going from faith to Because the righteousness of God is being revealed. And you keep allowing the Spirit... To get a hold of the flesh and pull it back.
every day. Pull it back. Today you will not control me, Flair. Today you will not be the one who says how it is. Pull it back. Let the Spirit be the one to take the lead. And that's why Paul said, be led of the Spirit. Not your flesh. Be led of the Spirit. So we're on the journey of faith to faith. Again, I know I, you, you don't feel like I talked about it at all. You just stay with us, okay? Because we're dealing with conversion. We're dealing with conversion. And we're never going to be converted if we're not going from faith to faith. If we don't learn to let spirit take flesh and pull it back. Now, I think before we dismiss here tonight, we need to practice just a little bit of what I've taught tonight. And I, I'd like us tonight, if you're able, let's stand together. And I want us to pray together before we walk out of this room tonight. I want us to pray together that God would give us... That God would help us. Just as God... Gave Jacob the strength in the womb to pull Esau back. I'm praying that God allows that which is spiritual in me. To have the strength to reach out and pull the flesh in me. And say, nope, get thee behind me. And I want us to pray that tonight. Because some of you have been battling things. You have been up against things. You have been dealing with issues and circumstances. Situations of your life. And you've been being pulled by the flesh. But tonight, I believe God's going to change something. And the Spirit's going to grab a hold of it. And the Spirit's going to make it submit. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for your people. I pray right now for your people, God. I ask Jesus that you would do something in this room right now, God. Let that which is spiritual in us be activated right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room tonight, Lord. And I pray that my spirit would bear witness with what your spirit is saying and doing in this house. And I pray right now that that which is spiritual in us would take authority over that which is carnal in us. God, let our flesh submit. Let every fear come in subjection to that which is spiritual. Let every spirit that has been attacking us come under subjection to the spirit of God that is within us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let our lust come under subjection to the Spirit. Let our jealousy. Let our bitterness. Let our anger. Let our divisiveness come under subjection to that which is spiritual. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.